you can tell a lot of the time if something in your house is on or off by the buzz, you know what I mean? Yes, true, I agree. But not behind several walls. That's fair. If you do, then you need to be checked out. You might be a superhero. (laughs) Oh my god. We need to come up with some kind of Jeff Foxworthy routine. (laughs) If you can hear electricity behind walls, you might just be a superhero. (laughs) Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris... And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams Assemble. Hello, everyone. In, uh, in case you couldn't tell from that less than stellar intro, we are both <laughs> not quite feeling our best today. Yeah, yeah. I've got a terrible cold, so I apologize if I don't pronounce anything right. Yeah, figure figure B's are M's today in the language of Amy. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Bat Burdock, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm already leaking from my nose. Don't make me start leaking from my eyes. <laughs> Well, I'm leaking elsewhere, <laughs> which is why I'm not feeling that great today. Sorry, gentlemen out there, but that's the case. Well, at least we won't be squeamish with all the blood. Speak for yourself. All right, so we are picking up where we left off at the end of episode five when we bit off a little more than we could chew. Yeah, so this is the second half of that, that original episode. It's in episode six, everybody, where shit starts to get a little complicated. Now's when that happens. Yeah, and people seem to have regrets only. So Matt and Electra are here at this penthouse, whoever it may belong to, and here come Mm -hmm. the Yakuza. Yeah. Look, I love a good bike sequence, but this was just a waste of fuel. (laughs) This fight scene, though, man, amazing. Yeah. As always. And I imagine it has to be even more difficult in the dark. For whom? Everyone involved. Well, it's not difficult for Matt. Oh, I mean the actors and the stunt performers. Well, it's not all that dark. They do some post-processing. Okay. And they're training, you know. And the thing that really stands out for me in this fight scene is what a great team Matt and Electra are. And I don't mean that yeah. in a good way. But it's certainly fun to watch. Uh, it's another one of those times I get queasy. Makes me nervous. Yeah, they make a good team. They, they're, they're really in sync when they're fighting, whether it's each other or other people. Yes. And, you know, this sh- should be another clue for Mr. Murdoch. There have been so many over the years, as to Electra's origins. Hey, Matt, do you think this might have something to do with, I don't know, maybe being trained, possibly, potentially, by the same man? Yeah, I know, right? He doesn't seem to think beyond the next second when it comes to Electra, does he? There are so many times I want to say Matt Murdock is so goddamn blind, and I can't. But you guys know what I mean. Mm-hmm. 
once they take down the Yakuza, time to head over for some breakfast. This bitch, not only has she gotten to have Matt Murdock, now she's going to eat fries in front of me. Really? <laughs> bitch. <laughs> You're just itching to find a reason to call her a bitch, aren't you? And ketchup from a glass bottle. The world's greatest ketchup. Okay. But, I mean, the food looked good for sure. And she sure did work up an appetite. Can't blame her. Yeah. Yeah, that's not all she worked up. (laughs) She is just such a pain in the ass here. That's really the only way to describe her. I am absolutely with Matt here in his frustration. Just pulling teeth here, getting information out of her. Yeah, I get it. She is behaving rather immature, but it's kind of fun to see how riled up Matt gets. And she's playing with him. It's fun. And she has the ability to play with him because now she's got something to hold over his head. She knows he's Daredevil. Yeah, but more than that, she's tempting him with the information that she has. She is. And as far as how she figured out his secret identity, there is the only point that Electra and I are in complete agreement. You can't mask that ass. Yeah, when I heard her say that, I knew you would agree with her 100%. (laughs) I mean, it's true. To each their own. So Electra basically hacked the servers at Roxxon to see if they were definitely in with the Yakuza, which... Surprise, surprise, they are. And she's interested in taking them down, essentially. Well, it's all a big game to her, though. Mm-hmm. She has no moral stake in this, because she is amoral. Yeah, it feels like she's just pissed off because they think they're pulling a fast one on her. And that's something that she can't accept. I don't know. It's hard to get a full read on her. But what is clear is that the hypocrisy of Mr. Murdoch continues here. Mm -hmm. Because on one hand, he's all up in her face about what she's doing here with the Yakuza. And on the other, um, yeah, this isn't anything different from what Matt does all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except she's willing to kill. He isn't. That's the only difference. And the other issue is that Electra understands Matt much better than he understands her, which is to say, not at all. Yeah, well, he doesn't understand himself either. No. She is not the spoiled little rich girl that Matt envisions her as, and also, I think, wants her to be, because that's putting her in a very simple little box. He can keep her there. Yeah, and that's exactly what he was trying to do with Frank. But the fact that he still thinks that she is just a spoiled little rich girl or wants to think that just goes to show just how say it blind he is. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also disillusioning him about everything that came to a head in season one. And he doesn't want to hear that either. He doesn't want to hear that he never drove the Yakuza out of New York, that they just went further under and that they're tricking him too. Correct. Because if he accepts that, then he needs to accept that all that he did was a waste. Exactly. He didn't actually make a difference because he wants to believe he's making a difference. Electra's looking for a partner here. And Matt says to her, 
I think the most honest thing he's ever said without even realizing it. I don't need a partner. Yeah. He is not a man who ever can have a partner. No. And his relationship with Foggy has never been a partnership. No, it hasn't. It's been a partnership in name only. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We're at episode six here and we have yet to see Matt Murdock be a lawyer this season. Yep. He has been shirking his responsibilities and duties at the firm that hard. Big time. At this point, he's barely a lawyer. He's more a vigilante. Yep. It's almost like his lawyer job is not his day job. It's the vigilantism. That's his day job. And being a lawyer at this point is just the cover. Correct. At this point, Matt being a lawyer is just about him getting the information. He gets one half of it through Karen because she's actually doing some work and the other half of it by beating people up. Right. And then he doesn't share what he brings back. Correct. Man, if Matt were living in like the Stone Age, he'd be kicked out of a tribe so fast for not sharing. (laughs) So as expected, Matt caves here, as he always does with Electra. Okay, Missy, I will help you defeat the Yakuza, but then you're out of here. Yep. Okay, sure. Whatever makes him happy. And, you know, it is a very difficult situation with a person like her. She's a perpetual line stepper. She has no conscience. And she has this blackmail over him now with Daredevil. So it's his own fault, yes. But he's stuck with her at this point. He has to see this through now. Yeah, he's stuck, but he got himself into it. Oh, yeah. If he hadn't taken the step forward in episode four, then he wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. Absolutely. And not only that, in the previous episode, he didn't need to go and confront her. That's where he got roped into the whole fight in the first place. So it's his fault. Yes, there is no one on this show who is more easily manipulated than Matt. Mm -hmm. So now we meet Frank Castle's public defender. Man, if you want somebody who could have actually played Max Dillon properly in Amazing Spider-Man 2, here's your guy. (laughs) This actor, Neil Grayston, he's actually really good. I've seen him in Eureka. I am not proud to say I have seen every episode of Eureka, but I indeed have. Hey, me too. (laughs) Yes, he is very typecast, but he's also very good at what he does. Yes. And if he's typecast, you know, he has the look. Why not? Cash in on it. Yes. Yeah. So D.A. Reyes intends to seek the death penalty for Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. No. And the PD is here to uh, get Karen's version of events and is requesting that she sign this, this fictional statement of hers that Reyes has put together. Yeah. And she is not taking any of it. No. And you know what I really appreciate with the writing this season and the casting Mm-hmm. is that the specter of Reyes, the district attorney, really hangs over this show for much of the season. It's like she's always there with them at the law firm. And that is both a performance and writing. Yeah, it is. I think more so the writing than the performance because her screen time is minimal. Mm-hmm. But... The idea of her is constantly looming over them like a dark cloud. Yep. So Matt and Karen, (laughs) big shock here. They're in agreement. 
the two crusaders, <laughs> on wanting to take over as Castle's council and get to the bottom of this slowly unraveling conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And Foggy just wants to get it over with and move on. Yeah, Foggy is sane and just wants to have a normal life. Yes, Matt and Karen want to, you know, get to the truth and seek true justice for Frank Castle and get to the bottom of this. But those two also have an obsession to fuel. Mm -hmm. And Foggy is clearly the only sane one in this office who is outvoted every time. Yes, but in their defense this time, I do think Foggy is absolutely wrong. Frank Castle is not a psychopath and Foggy really clings hard to that. Yeah, he is. But as a regular person who is not obsessed and quite as damaged as the other two, you get where he's coming from. Absolutely. He doesn't want to be involved in this. And he's scared shitless of Frank. We see that. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. I mean, you're scared of the actor. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) For all you know, he's never hurt even a fly. (laughs) Well, that's what's so great about this show is that I always see both sides to every argument. Mm -hmm. And Foggy wants to know, is this about saving a man or saving a vigilante? Valid question, Matthew. Agreed. We know why Matt is trying to do this. But we still don't know why is Karen being so pushy about this. I think Karen needs an obsession just as much as Matt does. And someone to Mm -hmm. save. Right. Matt's still trying to save his father. Karen's still trying to save her brother. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we don't know that yet. Not yet, but that's what she's doing. At least partly. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as usual, foggy caves. Yeah, I mean, he's being outnumbered. He doesn't have a choice at some at, at a point. Yeah, and because this time Karen is also ganging up too, but I do appreciate that her opinion carries as much weight as Matt's. Yes, I do appreciate that. But in a business sense, it shouldn't carry any weight, irrespective of whether she's a man or a woman, because she's not a partner. Yeah, but the dynamics of this are all over the place. Yep, true. Yep. You really want to see their LLC agreement, don't you? I kind of do, yes. (laughs) All right, so let's go see Frank Castle in the hospital, shall we? Let's go. Just stay behind the red tape. Yeah, I love this because they do an amazing job with all the aesthetics surrounding Frank Castle. They treat him a lot like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs in terms of his security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. The only thing missing is the muzzle. Exactly. And it's warranted. You know, we've seen that. And it's kind of the opposite with Lecter, because when we see Lecter in that crazy getup with the mask, you know, coming off the plane, being wheeled off, he hasn't done anything yet. At that point, we're still building and building to wait to see that monster where they did the opposite with Frank. We see him being a rampaging maniac first. So we we see him in those crazy restraints. We understand, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. Yeah, what you say makes absolute sense. But when it comes to Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs, you actually feel that fear when the mask comes off. Because they're building it and they're doing a fantastic job, most certainly. But with Castle, because we know of his code, even if you had him completely 
free, unrestrained, he would have done nothing to any of the people in that room, except for Reyes. So still warranted. (laughs) Well, not for anyone else, let's say that. So Matt and Foggy and Karen, they lay it all out for him. The idea of coming on as his counsel, but Reyes storms in to nip this in the bud. Yeah, which makes me think she has a direct line with one of the police officers over there who immediately called her and told her that these people have arrived. Oh, yes. Somebody at the hospital, somebody on the inside, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a great moment that is also incredibly frustrating because we are reminded what a great team Matt and Foggy are when they're in sync and truly working together on a case because they bury her in her own bullshit. Yeah, they do. The thing is with Matt and Foggy, they're great together as long as they have a common enemy. Otherwise, they're each other's enemy. Yes, well said. People like Reyes, they don't understand. It's not the first lie that gets you. It's all the subsequent lies you have to tell on top of that original lie to hold your story. Right. And if you can't keep track of your lies and you start getting sloppy, yeah, you're screwed. And before she's able to really bulldoze them even further, Brett Mahoney shows up and says, Castle has accepted them as his team. They're now his lawyers. And just when we think we might actually get somewhere with this, that Matt might start actually being a lawyer. Nope. Dance, monkey. Dance. (laughs) Yeah, she sent a call for him, which is kind of considerate. Here we go again. You just love her, don't you? Come on. No. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. No. Really, I don't. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. And Foggy has every reason to be furious here. Yeah, absolutely. It was Matt's idea and he's bailing on them. When they need him most. Exactly. Matt has the same problem with his lies on top of lies. Yeah, it's the client that's paying really well. But... Again, at this point, at least, Foggy should be asking, who the hell is this client and why can't I meet them? Fuck that. Foggy should be taking that money, buying a plane ticket to, I don't know, Boise, Idaho, anywhere else. (laughs) Hop on that plane and start over, buddy. (laughs) I have a feeling by the end of this show, I'm going to hear of every major city in the United (laughs) States. So we're back where we started, really, with Matt and Electra at a big gala. Yeah. And I love the music that they play over here. In fact, I even looked it up. The song's name is Parachute by Stuart Hart and We Two Queens. We get the instrumental version in the show itself, but the song itself is pretty good. Okay. And Matt has a crazy delusion that attending this gala and doing whatever. Electra asks, will be the end of this. (laughs) Yeah, he seems to think everything will be the end of this, but it's just one step further, something ahead. So while Matt is uh, dancing to Electra's tune here, Foggy and Karen are actually working. (gasps) Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Reviewing all of these court documents that they are now buried in. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot. They certainly need a second pair of eyes. If not more. We're really stumbling over the the blind jokes today. (laughs) 
He's making it real difficult. Yeah, and I want to say something up top here. I'm not putting on the true crime cap yet. That'll come a little later. But as far as this whole court case goes, there is a tremendous amount of suspension of disbelief that goes into this. Because in the real world, a case of this magnitude, the idea that this would be managed by two people on the defense is laughable. A judge would never allow them to take this case because they do not have the resources. A defense like this in real life would probably cost a million dollars. Yeah, but these guys have a heart of gold. They're not going to charge Frank Castle anything. (laughs) It's all about the truth. They would have a whole team of investigators, analysts, shrinks, God knows what else. And guess what? Those people don't work for Cobbler. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the paperwork alone on all the 38 murder charges would be enough before they add on any other charges. Yeah, and it would take years to go through all that. Mm. We are going to see, yes, Frank wants it fast-tracked, but again, like, judge would step in here. Foggy is already to question Frank, but that's not who Frank wants to talk to. Yeah, because Karen stepped in and showed him a picture of his family. Yes, he understands Karen gets it. Yes, but this woman, I tell you, she's got balls of steel. And that's the other reason why Castle wants to talk to her. He respects her. He does. And he respects her because she is willing to get in his face. Yeah, true. Whereas Foggy is scared. Well, so is Karen, but she is strong enough to override that fear. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just go back and forth in this whole episode between being on Foggy's side and wanting to get on a plane myself to get away from this fictional place that doesn't even exist because it's so scary. <laughs> and then being completely on Matt and Karen's side. Because as she explains to Castle, Reyes has falsified everything. She is completely mm-hmm. corrupt. Everybody under her is corrupt. She will stop at nothing mm-hmm. to cover up the truth about what happened right. to his family. And damn it, they're not going to let that happen. <gasps> I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> Yeah, what Matt and Karen are saying definitely is true. And in an ideal world, we always want to get the truth and justice and all of those things. But practically speaking, you also understand where Foggy is coming from. They are in way over their heads. Yeah. And taking on the DA, just the two of them, because Matt doesn't count at this point, is fantasy. And this is so heartbreaking here, Frank admitting how responsible he feels for his family's death. You know, most Mm -hmm. good fathers, I think, feel that sense of obligation to protect their families. Right. But for a guy like Frank Castle, with his training and background, I mean, that's amplified by a thousand. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's been overseas killing people in order to protect his country. And he comes back home and he's not able to protect his own children. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine the pain. Mm-hmm. So back at the gala, Electra is just loving every second of manipulating Matt, playing this game with him. She's like a cat with a mouse. Yeah. He's frustrated. He wants to just get it over with. 
But in this case, she's right. They need to be subtle. And his skills do come in handy quite a bit. Yes. I must say, though, when they're walking around in those lobbies and all, all dressed up, they both look really good. Yeah. That's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah, but just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not really something I need pointed out where it comes to Mr. Murdoch. <laughs> True. Well, let's put it this way. It's the one time I did appreciate him along with him. <laughs> and, you know, what's fun here is that these men have no idea Electra's actually the hacker, despite the fact that she was in the building when it happened. It doesn't even occur to their Neanderthal braids. Yeah, but also that there's so many people in a building at the time, you know. What are the odds of that it's just one, you know, uber-rich, spoiled brat? That's true. She plays that role well when it suits her. Yes, she does. Security is watching their mark, though. And this only ups the fun for her because the more risk, the better. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she was looking forward to beating these guys up. Oh, yeah. She's salivating for it. Mm -hmm. And where Electra is adept at playing the spoiled rich girl when it suits her, Matt is also great at playing the blind guy when it serves him. Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. <laughs> Did I get any on you? <laughs> great. Just perfectly done. And the Mark himself, he did a pretty good job as well. Like we see him about to scream his head off at Matt and then realizes that this guy is quote unquote blind. Mm -hmm. And and he behaves rather admirably, even though he's pissed off. He does. And this is another moment where, of course, I love this. It's amazing. But at the same time, it uh -huh. just reminds me, God damn it, Matt, your entire life is a lie. <laughs> True. And the whole point of that is for Matt to get his hands on this guy's key card. Yeah. So back at the hospital, we start to get a clearer understanding of Frank's moral code. Mm hmm. Frank actually tells Karen that she was never in danger and he was only interested in Grotto. Yes. In fact, I would go as far to say as Karen Page is always the safest when she's with Frank Castle. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yes. Yeah. Frank was a scout sniper, a.k.a. a long distance killing machine. Mm hmm. And, you know, we talk a lot about chemistry on this show. We've talked about the sizzles between Charlie Cox and Deborah Ann Wall, but John Berthal and her have it too. Yes, they do. In fact, we get to see a little bit more of it in The Punisher. She isn't there much in the show, but when she is, the screen is on fire with the two of them. Yeah, and here they really start bonding over Frank's family, and it's just lovely. It is, it is. And this is where you actually see him as a person, you know, reminiscing about these small things. Yeah, you can picture him with his kids. They paint such a beautiful image of them. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. That's the only reason he wanted to speak to her in the first place. Yeah. He wants to remember. And, you know, there's always something extra sweet about the big, scary, tough guy who just melts around his kids. Yeah. And becomes the playful teddy bear. Like I remember seeing Dwayne Johnson once in a Pikachu costume dancing for his baby girl and thought that was the cutest friggin' thing I'd ever seen. Oh, you need to see his photo shoot with him holding puppies. <gasps> I'm there. 
Yeah. That'll be in the show notes, uh-huh. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the puppies are the size of his hand. It is the most amazing thing you will ever see. And once they establish this connection, Frank agrees to answer Karen's questions. And again, this is Lecter and Clarice Starling here. Quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. The woman and the quote unquote monster. Right. The woman who can get the answers where the men can't because she has more emotional intelligence, more compassion, and in a lot of ways, more courage. How many male agents you think would have gone down there into the dungeon and gone past Migs, you know, and down to Lecter's cellar? Mm-hmm. Well, they would have gone down there, but they would have been all full of bravado, try to hide the fact that they're shitting the pants. Yeah, I don't know. I think you give them too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing here. How many people would have gone in and met with Frank like this? Foggy was terrified. Yeah. Matt would have, but he wouldn't have gotten anything out of him. Because mm-hmm. Matt would have ended up being antagonistic. Correct. And just like Clary Starling, Karen breaks all the rules that have been set forth for dealing with Castle in the room. Right. And that's why he respects her. He knows she's someone who has a spine. Yeah. You know, everybody, I usually put stuff like this, these clips in the show notes. Today, I'm just going to not bother and say, go watch Silence of the Lambs again. There you go. (laughs) So Foggy works out a plea deal in which the death penalty is off the table. But... This would mean Frank going into general population in prison. There's there's a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah, that's like sending a cop to general population, right? Pretty much. They're not going to last an hour. Mm -hmm. So to Foggy's face here, Frank agrees to the deal. Yeah, and then soon enough to his face, he disagrees in a very aggressive way. (laughs) That's putting it mildly. Yes, uh, Frank changes his plea to not guilty. If you Google the phrase, putting the fear of God into someone, this is what it looks like. (laughs) Frank talking to Reyes here. Yeah, yeah. This is where you think, okay, it's a good thing he's restrained. Yeah, this is where I'd have peed myself. And it's a good (laughs) thing I'm in a hospital where they could just clean it up quickly. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. At this point, though, I think Reyes is still a little bit more pissed than she is scared. Yeah, because she thinks that these guys are not going to come up with anything. She's covered her tracks. She's just pissed that it's going to be dragged out, what was supposed to be her crowning glory in five minutes. Yes, she doesn't believe she's going to lose at this point. She's just pissed that this pebble in her shoe won't go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no one, no one is more scared than poor Foggy Nelson. <laughs> yeah, when the judge says, please control your client, he is not saying a thing to, to Frank at all. <laughs> yeah, that would be like asking somebody to control their rabid dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. The only thing you can do is apologize, which is what he did. Yeah, a rabid dog that somebody just handed you on the street five minutes ago. <laughs> Like, I don't know this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we need to get Foggy a new pair of boxers. Boxers, pants, shoes, (laughs) you know, all of it. A backup spine because he's going to need it. Yeah, yeah. 
I think he would need diapers for the rest of the trial. So back at the gala, we're seeing Electra genuinely nervous for the first time. Mm-hmm. I found that intriguing. Yeah, so these guys were, were able to get the card, go up to the office. And it's interesting, yes, she is nervous. She's frustrated at not getting the information. Yeah, they're looking for documents. And it turns out to be the Roxxon ledger that Matt finds behind a false wall. Right, because he can hear electricity, apparently. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I mean, that's fair. No, really. (laughs) Like, you can hear the buzz of electricity. You can tell a lot of the time if something in your house is on or off by the buzz. You know what I mean? Yes, true. I agree. But not behind several walls. That's fair. If you do, then you need to be checked out. You might be a superhero. (laughs) Oh, my God. We need to come up with some kind of Jeff Foxworthy routine. (laughs) If you can hear electricity behind walls, you might just be a superhero. (laughs) But once they have it, security's on their tail. So time to get out. And the music here is fantastic for their escape. It is so Mm -hmm. tight and so tense. It is, yes. And again, the both of them, they are in sync. Yes. Oh, and I know you loved the fight sequence where they're just silhouetted behind the wall. Yes, I did. It was amazing. That was really beautiful. It was done really well. And now Matt and Electra pull a move out of Natasha Romanoff's book. (laughs) Yeah, so they've gone down two floors. They're a bit stuck. That's one word for it. They are uh, Mm -hmm. pretending to have drunken sex here. And once again, Matt Murdock plays up the, but I'm just a blind guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, when they do shine the flashlight in his eyes, his pupils don't react. Exactly. It's not the first time he's used that. Yep. Mm -hmm. But this is where Matt really starts to turn because he is enjoying himself. Yes, he is. She knew he would. She did because she knows him. Mm-hmm. She knows that Matt is just as much of an adrenaline junkie as she is. Absolutely. And that's why they make a good pair. Yeah. And that's it. He's done because you can't give somebody like Electra a single inch. You got to slam that door, lock it and put a goddamn grand piano in front of it. And he <laughs> has now fully let her in. She's got him. Yeah, she does. This makes me wonder, yes, he did put up a fight initially, but he still kept going. He still, I don't want to say fell into her trap, but he still took the initiative and did what she was telling him to do or asking him to do. It makes you wonder how much of his protesting was actually true. Mm -hmm. How much he simply just didn't want to admit that he enjoyed himself with her and he wants to do that again. Yeah, it's not a trap. Because a trap would absolve him of responsibility. A trap Mm -hmm. would make it seem like Electra set up all this completely without his knowledge, that there were no clues or indicators that she was going to turn on him. A trap would have been if she completely changed who she was for him, if she put on a total act about who she was and just invited him to a gala as a friend, which wouldn't have worked. Right. And then did all this shit. Exactly. That would have been a trap. This is not. This is Matt doing what he truly wants to do. Yes. So that's why I feel like when you say that 
Electra is manipulating him. I have a hard time agreeing with that because he wants to do it. She is, though. I don't know why this sticks in my memory, but there was an episode of uh, Law and Order SVU years ago, because God knows that show's been on for 50 years. There was an episode with Robert Patrick where he was playing a pedophile. And I think it was Elliot Stabler, I think, who was trying to set this guy up, set up Robert Patrick to get more information. And he was trying to give him like access to child porn or set him up with a kid, something. And he was really pushing hard at it. And Robert Patrick was was pushing back. That's not, I'm not doing it. I'm fighting it. I'm not doing it. And it was very uncomfortable because you see the cop doing wrong here and being manipulative against this criminal, horrible criminal who's genuinely trying to do the right thing. And it's like with Electra here, she's presenting him with the opportunities. If she had never shown up, Matt wouldn't be doing any of this. So she is partly responsible here because she's setting things in motion. She's laying the groundwork for it. She is forcing her way into his life in various ways. You can't absolve either of them of responsibility. Yeah, I'm not absolving her. But I do think that he had the opportunity to step away at various points, but he chose not to. Well, I think the question also becomes, would she have let him? If he had truly stepped away, then that's then we would have seen that. But he never gave her the opportunity. I don't know, because this is also a mission for Electra. It is. That's a question we can't answer. Mm-hmm. So once these guys escape... They are back in the car and Electra is trying to read through this ledger. She surprisingly reads Japanese, but up to a point where she finds some encrypted stuff. Yeah, that's another clue. She knows an awful lot of languages, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. Spoiled little rich girls aren't generally fluent in so many languages. True. Yes. So they are left with this mystery if they don't have a problem writing in plain text about selling people and drugs and all those sort of things, what can be so important, what can be worse that needs to be encrypted? (laughs) Reminds me of the Doctor Strange trailer. What are they hiding if they're willing to reveal Patrick Stewart? (laughs) So back at Matt's apartment, Foggy is filling in a dear partner here with the news that Frank's trial starts next week. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, why was Matt not picking up his damn phone? Because he's with Electra. Because he's irresponsible. For a million reasons. Yeah, he forgets about the whole world when he's, a- when he's around her. Yeah, yeah, very dangerous. Just like a drug. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the reason for this is that, of course, Reyes wants this fast-tracked so she can bury them as quickly as possible. But Frank, not being a lawyer and, you know, Yes, being a little self-righteous, he thinks that at this trial, the truth will come out. Yeah, I see where he's coming from because of his inexperience with the law. And also, these lawyers came in all gung-ho about trying to find the truth. He's bought into that. Well, beyond that, I think there's something else at play here. This is white man thinking Mm -hmm. that the criminal justice system is going to work for him. Which makes sense. And both his lawyers are white men. Yes. A man of color would not be going into this situation with the same attitude. True. And I don't think this is intentional by the writers in any way. 
I think this is just the way the world is. Yeah, true. I don't think the writers were trying to make any kind of commentary. No. It's more about the conspiracy. Yes. And, you know, if Frank had any kind of legal training, he would realize how badly he screwed them over because they need time to prep for this. But there's a flip side to that argument, too. Maybe because we're going to see that Frank Castle is smarter than anyone, especially Foggy, ever gives him credit for. So you have to wonder, Mm -hmm. does Frank think if they have too much time to prep this trial, somebody's going to kill him before it can start? It's possible, but I also think if he did think of that, he also has the confidence to think that he would be able to take care of himself and not let that happen to him. I don't know if he's restrained the way he was or behind a cell, all it takes is one guard to come in and put a bullet through the bars, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So that brings us to episode seven, which features the trial of the century of the week. <laughs> Indeed. So we begin with jury selection. And I think they do a great job here at showing how absurd the idea of an unbiased jury is. Yeah. Considering how much the Punisher's deeds were publicized, it's impossible to get an unbiased jury. And the music here is fantastic as we see the city is completely divided over Frank Castle. Yeah, and it's intercut with him getting ready to come to court. Man, all these musical things in slow motion. It's incredible. It is. And I love the part where when he comes in, we see him coming in slow-mo. He comes and stands right in front of the American flag. Yep. That says so much. Yeah. I swear, you would think John Bernthal was really a Marine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's that good. He is. And he looks rough with those two black eyes he still has. Yeah, he does look pretty rough. And that kind of adds to his persona, you know, when the jury sees him for the first time. Absolutely. And aside from Frank, what we really notice here is how much more prepared D.A. Reyes looks than Matt Murdock and uh, Flop Sweat Nelson over here. (laughs) (laughs) Foggy is particularly nervous about this jury while Reyes is very smug. Yeah. And it's understandable. And considering he's the one who seems to be doing the bulk of the work at this point, he sure will be. And he's already been nervous right from the day they walked into the hospital. He's not comfortable with all the the pressure, the the limelight, any of it. Yeah, I think Foggy is consuming like benuric levels of Pepto-Bismol right now. Yeah, he's buying it at wholesale. Yes. Costco is out of Pepto. (laughs) So back at the firm, they're trying to plot their defense. And I got news for you guys. Yeah, you should be worried if you're still trying to figure out even what kind of defense you're going with when the jury has been selected. You are fucked. (laughs) Yeah, they are really, really fucked. And yeah, there's no question. They need an affirmative defense. Because he definitely killed 38 people. That's not in question. Yes. I just love it, you know, when they're debating Frank's sanity, that 
Foggy declares that Frank has at least driven past Crazy Town. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's seen it from the highway, at yeah. the very least. Yes, agreed. <laughs> but again, here, yeah, Matt is the one who is insisting that they don't go for an insanity plea. Well, I think Matt is right in that because Frank mm-hmm. does not meet the standard for insanity. He knows the difference between right and wrong. And it almost never works. It's something you see a ton in movies and TV, but it's hardly ever used in the real world. Right. Yeah, that's right. And when it, when it does, it hardly ever works. Right. What Matt wants to do is rely on PTSD as their primary mitigating factor. And at this point, he say, all right, yeah, we'll use that to get Frank into a mental institution instead of Jen Pop mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt. <laughs> he should get a room right next to him, if that's the case. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's Matt's idea. But Karen wants to put Reyes and the government on trial. Yeah, which was their original goal to try and get the truth. But something like this could end up meaning that they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah, happens a lot. I think, P- I think uh, Foggy is going to have to also get a BJ's membership. Costco just doesn't have enough Pepto at this point. And they decide that Karen will be the one to continue questioning Castle. And I do appreciate the writers acknowledging Matt's worry for Karen has nothing to do with gender or being his girlfriend that he would tell even a Navy SEAL to be careful around Frank Castle. Yeah, which is understandable. Yes. And it makes sense for them to make Karen their point person because clearly she's the one who seems to be getting through to him. Yeah, and she wants that connection too. Yeah, she does. She empathizes with Frank. She sees the humanity in him. Again, sees part of herself in him as well. Mm-hmm. And at her core, she is a crusader too. Yeah. And I think the way that Matt is freer around Electra, I think Karen allows Frank Castle to see parts of her that Matt and Foggy don't. Metaphorically speaking. Yes, that's <laughs> true. No one's stripping. <laughs> <laughs> and I give Karen so much credit for this because she's not in the hospital anymore. She is entering a maximum security prison, just like Clarice Starling. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a more dangerous place for a woman if something were to go wrong. Yeah, true. But in this case, if something were to go wrong, we know Frank Castle would protect her. I mean, if he could get to her. Yeah. And you gotta love the way Frank always calls her ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. She's the only one who ever gets a sir or a ma'am from him. That says something coming from a Marine. True. He respects her. Yes. And he also has tremendous respect for his fellow veterans. And that is why he Mm -hmm. rails against this idea of using PTSD as part of his defense. Right. He doesn't want it to be discredited and be used as a cop out. Right. And I understand where he's coming from with this. Because there are people out there in the world who will use a legitimate illness or a legitimate prejudice that exists in the world to their advantage, despite 
despite not being honest about that. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's happening here. We've heard Frank's story at this point about what life was like for him, about what being in his body was like for him when he came home. He doesn't mm-hmm. recognize or maybe doesn't want to recognize that he is definitely, certainly suffering from PTSD. It's just a matter of right. to what extent. And he's too close to it. And I also think he might see PTSD as like invalidating his mission in a way. Yeah. Like he wants to see this mission as solely for his family because of them. If anything else is clouding his judgment, that would make it less noble. Yes. Or that he might love them less in his mind. Right. Because doing this is his way of apologizing to them for not keeping them safe and showing them in his mind how much he loves them. Yeah. But to her credit, Karen stays right in his face on this, gets tough with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these are the moments where I just want to bow at her feet. Yeah, she's amazing. She's able to face the most scariest and the most dangerous people on the show and not blink. Yeah. At least in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the great part is that she always does crack, but not in front of them. She does it on her own. Just like Clarice, when she comes out of her first meeting with Lecter and she's at her car, that's when she starts crying, when she's away from all the men, when she's out of the stressful situation and she can just let it go Mm -hmm. by herself for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because if she shows any kind of weakness, that could be very dangerous for her. Exactly. And her strategy works here. To a point, because Frank still refuses to use PTSD as a defense, but he does give Mm -hmm. her a character witness. Right. And his respect for her only increases for getting in his face. Yes. So, oh my God, do my eyes deceive me? Is Matt Murdock actually back at the office practicing his opening statement? (laughs) Yes, we do see that. Doesn't really come to anything, does it? It does not, because ring, ring, ring. Yeah. Yeah. Electra, what can we do for you today? Shocking. She hasn't left New York. Yeah, because she's still trying to get to the bottom of what's in that ledger. Yeah. And he's totally on board because this definitely sounds like a conversation between two partners, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though Matt never knows if she's ever telling the truth. Welcome to Foggyland. <laughs> oh, my God. Matt is foggy in that partnership. Yeah. He unlike it, does he? No, but he's still playing along. Uh-huh. So Matt and Electra go to see this disgusting excuse for a human being who can potentially mm-hmm. decrypt the Yakuza ledger. You know, no matter who it is, there is always something super gross to me about a man just in boxers with an open robe. I don't know why, but I always think it's gross. Yeah, and clearly that's a trope that works because they always tend to do that with the gross kind of guys. Yeah, it's true. Because it's so gaudy. You know, they have no taste. Yeah. Money can't buy taste. Absolutely, yes. And this guy, I mean, he's a professor. He knows Asian languages and yet he can't know the difference between Asian women. Well, we don't know where he's a professor. True. This might be a University of Phoenix situation. He's also not a hardened criminal. No, he isn't. He's just living the high life. He got lucky. I do love it when Electra tells this guy to kill his decorator. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah. But, you know, as a designer, not a interior decorator or anything, I've been there. I've had clients who have awful taste, but at the end of the day, they're paying. And as much as I try to tell them if something is going to work or not going to work, they refuse. You just have to do what they want because they're the ones who are paying. Yep. Yeah. So this guy gives up the code for the Yakuza ledger very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. It's actually really d- well done. Matt is banging against the glass while he's resting against that. Yeah. So he's not actually hurting him. Right. Well, Matt understands how far he needs to go with different people. Yes. Meanwhile, Foggy is working late on Castle's case because somebody has to. There are no more early evenings of going back on time from work with with this trial on. No. And the steadfast Karen is working beside him. And I have some (laughs) issues with Karen's pitch to Foggy here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Frank is the client. Yes, they have to do what he says. If he says no PTSD defense, they have to listen to him. But I don't like the way Karen goes about this because she tells him, that Frank doesn't have PTSD because he's not having flashbacks of the war. And this is way too superficial and simple an explanation for PTSD. It's not just about flashbacks. You can have PTSD without having flashbacks to a horrible wartime incident. Right. And flashbacks are not the end all be all. No. And, you know, if they had more time to prepare and Frank had allowed them, I think they could have put together an excellent case on this. But with this, I think it's the show not doing proper justice to PTSD and combat veterans who suffer from it. Yeah, true. And I also think that the writers probably knew that they have to address PTSD in a situation like this. Of course. But they didn't want to go deeper into it because it can be a can of worms. Yeah. Everyone's experiences are different. Yeah, that could have been a whole season in itself. Right. So mentioning it, ensuring that Frank says that he doesn't have PTSD and moving on with a conspiracy is acknowledging it, but not getting into it. So yes, it's a disservice to veterans and others who experience PTSD, but ignoring it altogether would have been a huge mistake. That's a really good point. They were in a tough place with that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think they did the best they could. Yeah. But Foggy also brings up an excellent point here. Frank is the ultimate unreliable witness in his family's murder because let's remember, he was shot in the head himself. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, a law student in their first day, let alone their first year, could get any testimony about that tossed because his memory is completely unreliable. Yeah. And he himself has said that his memories come and go. He told Karen that yeah. when they spoke for the first time. But Karen is very smart here. And it's because of her connection with Castle that she pushes Foggy in this direction. She tells him, you have to think of yourself as Frank. And that's the thing that Foggy has been afraid to do till this point. It's one mm-hmm. thing to be in the room with that guy. It's another to be in his head. Right. And 
for someone like Foggy, it might even be difficult to try to be in his head. That's very true. I think it's easier for Karen because uh, she has killed. Yes. And she's lost people she's loved. Yeah. And I'm going to say she's also just physically tougher than Foggy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even though we've seen him hold his own, I'm giving her the edge there. Yeah. She's also more reckless. Yes, absolutely. But what they do have is the medical examiner's report. Yes. So they decide that the best thing that they can do is to get the medical examiner on the stand and expose him for being corrupt. Yeah. No big deal. Piece of cake. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he's a seasoned veteran or anything like that. He's never, ever testified in court. No, this is like when Tom Cruise decides to put Jessup on the stand in A Few Good Men. Eh, no big deal. We'll just make him confess. He wants to. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, Aim, is Matt working on his opening statement, right? Yeah? He's all set? All ready to go? Gonna knock him dead? In Foggy's mind, sure. But in reality, nope. He's too busy daredeviling with Electra. Yeah, they're playing at the train yard here, looking for Yakuza cargo. Mm -hmm. Right. And once again, Matt can hear things. Like dirt. Right. Which is what the train cars are full of. Yeah. Which is weird. A little bit. And we see Matt again is really having the time of his life here. Just completely shirking his professional responsibilities. Yeah, he's basically the kid who hasn't studied or hasn't done his homework. And the day before the exams is going to cram. Except he's not doing that. He's playing video games. Yeah, but in this case, he also has three people counting on him, one of them counting on him for his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Raises the stakes a little bit. Just a bit. So eventually they do find a huge container loaded with drugs because what else? This is Daredevil. And we have <laughs> another huge fight here with the Yakuza. And I was like, holy shit, boot knives. I really, really hate knives. A lot. Yeah, because that can lead to stitching. Uh, which we have to go back to Matt's apartment and do. Yeah, okay. He did not cut the thread right. Here we go. It was bugging me. At least cut it right, you know? I know you're supposed to be blind and all that. You shouldn't be stitching at all if you can't cut the uh, cut thread right. And here we have our heart-to-heart. Matt just so wants to believe Electra has changed and I so want to be furious with him. Put clothes on this man. Not fair. <laughs> Do you want me to focus? I hate myself. That's number one. That's, I think, a record for Daredevil, the series. This is the latest I hate myself. I know. This is like three quarters of the way through. Yeah. Am I allowed to be a little bit proud of myself? I'll let you know when we record the next episode. <laughs> so yeah, so these guys are having heart to heart and comparing scars. Yes, including the scar that Matt gave Electra when he broke things off with her. Now, I do think that hurt her. Mm -hmm. I don't think she is capable of love. I think she's a psychopath. But whatever feeling she is able to have, whatever connection, I think... It's always been the strongest with Matt. He's the only person. Yes. Besides a certain old man. We'll see again later. Uh, 
that she's been able to connect with on that level. It's more for her about validation and recognition than it is about love. It may be validation and recognition, but I think that it's because she recognizes a part of herself in him. She's able to have that deeper connection with him. Yeah. And I will say this, as much as Matt drives me crazy, as shitty as he is this season, he is not Electra. He is not what she is. No, absolutely not. They are yin and yang where she is the darker side for sure. Yes. Kindred spirits. Yep. And here we see Electra telling him that he deserves better. And uh, at this point, I've got to disagree with her. I don't know if she believes that or not. I don't know if she's being genuine because Elliot Young is just so enigmatic in this role. But I think Matt can do better than her. But at this point, I don't think he deserves better. True. And I'm not sure if he believes that, if he deserves better. I don't think he does uh, because that could lead to happiness and we can't have that. <laughs> Angel. Yeah, that's, that's getting into boggy territory. And now it's trial day. Yay. Since this is an audio med medium, everyone can't see me doing the Kermit wave right now, but that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Matt is fast asleep. And I know I'm not the only one who saw this and was like, oh my God, this was my college nightmare. Oversleeping? No. Being foggy in this moment, not Matt. You know, I swear to God, last night I had a dream. I was in college. I was unprepared and I didn't even know when the dates were. And it was like today and I had no clue. I swear. Well, last night I dreamt that the hand were coming to kill my husband and I. So I guess we're even. <laughs> the show is killing me. The show is getting to us. <laughs> and we're about halfway through. Yeah, I was in my old childhood bedroom for some reason and... An unknown individual was there with a giant sword telling my husband to get the fuck up. I don't know what was going on. And I woke up. I actually woke up sweating and my heart was beating so fast because I thought I had to go to college today and I had a paper. Yeah. And I didn't know what subject. Yeah. So my sympathy here is not for Matt at all. I'm totally with Foggy here. He's completely unprepared. He has no opening statement. And all I can think is, Matt, you asshole. Yeah, what? Why can't you keep an alarm? You know tomorrow's a big day and you're going to go out. It wasn't even on his radar. That's why. Yeah. Because all that mattered was Electra right then and there. Yeah. And again, so this is something that I just did not understand. Now, Matt told Electra, go to sleep. She went to sleep on sofa why did he have to sleep on the chair i was thinking the same thing he just had to friggin watch over her are you kidding me murdoch that if you're gonna do that take the chair sleep put the chair in the room at least then let her sleep in the bed you can see though like he was reluctant to go to sleep right and eventually he did fall asleep he was tired there's that ego again thinking he has to stay up and watch her. Who the hell is going to come for her? I don't know. He is just ridiculous. 
He is. And because of that, he's late. Now, here's again where I see the other side of something. Yes, I empathize here with Foggy. But half of me also feels like he's an idiot. Why would you give Matt the responsibility of the opening statement? At this point, yes, they're still partners. But let's look at Matt's track record, Foggy. Maybe Mm -hmm. Foggy Nelson is the one who should be pleading insanity because he is the guy who keeps doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. (laughs) In fact, Frank Castle might just be the sanest person at that defense table. (laughs) And he very unhelpfully points out, you're a man down. (laughs) (laughs) No, but with Foggy, I get, where he's coming from because again it comes with that hero worship of him and he always thinks that matt is the better speaker and it makes sense in that relationship where matt has the talent to speak to the jury and all of that but foggy if you have a partner as unreliable as matt maybe you should have a backup plan in case if he doesn't show up yeah that's a fair point i hadn't thought about it that way if Matt was my partner, I would not rely on him on for anything. All right. So now I'm putting on my true crime cap for opening statements. <laughs> and, you know, this really took me back to uh, my mock trial time in high school. I did one of those and I friggin' loved it. Watching this, I wanted to write these opening statements myself. There was a time in my life I considered law school. Why am I not surprised that you loved a mock trial? Oh, yeah. Every minute of it. In fact, I was the one who wrote the uh, closing statement for the defense. Don't ask me what the case was about. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a ways back now. You got to really respect. Even though she's a piece of shit, you got to respect what Reyes does here. The way she frames the prosecution of Frank as a serial killer. It's brilliant. Yeah. She's a piece of shit, but she's an effective piece of shit. Yes. When people hear the word serial killer, it flips a switch in their head. Yeah. And I must point out here, yes, this opening statement is very effective for the purposes of the show. But in reality, this would go on for a couple hours. Right. But in this case, we couldn't have that happen because then Matt would have showed up on time. And then we wouldn't have had the blow up that we needed. Yes. And oh, God, Frank's exploits and all the blood and stitching. Those aren't the only times I'm watching the show through my fingers. (laughs) Because Foggy and his note cards here. Oh, cringe. Yeah. Yeah. He just looks like such an amateur with his his note cards, his rumpled suit, the shaggy hair. Oh, Foggy. Yeah, and that's the point. Yeah, and Eldon Henson sells this so well. And from wherever he is, Matt can hear his sweat rolling down his back. (laughs) I'm sure he would have been able to hear his heartbeat as well. I'm pretty sure most of the courtroom can hear his heartbeat because it's just busting out of his chest. (laughs) Yeah, true. But Foggy, in the end, comes true. Well, he sort of comes through. He gives an effective opening statement. He takes the jury 
into Frank Castle's mind, into his life, and that's effective. But uh, Frank is not pleased with the reliance upon PTSD. I do believe he refers to it as, uh, how, th- how do you say, uh, bullshit. Yeah, but to be fair, Foggy didn't really have time to prepare. He just went with what he knew. Right. Kind of like what I do for this podcast. <laughs> and pay attention to Deborah Ann Wall, too, as Foggy gives this statement. The way Karen looks at him with such faith, I love it. She Mm -hmm. believes in him so much more than he does in himself. Yeah, that's true. And. And she's seen him shine. She has. Before. Yes. And I also love the fact that Karen's even at that table. Because in the real world, a legal assistant wouldn't be sitting there. Mm Mm-hmm. And good thing she was, otherwise it'd just be Foggy sitting there with Frank, and that would not have gone down well. Yes, this is a testament to to how much respect Foggy has for Karen and how much he relies on her. Yes. And he's also smart with this opening statement for putting the justice system on trial rather than Frank. You know, usually when Mm -hmm. you see a tactic like this, it's either prosecution or defense putting a woman on trial for choices that they paint as leading to her own attack or her own murder, uh, bullshit like that. Right. So it's like what we were saying about the less dead with organized crime. It's refreshing to see something like that turned on its head here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can't prove Frank is crazy. It's an affirmative defense still. You have to shift the blame. Yeah, absolutely. Now, even though Foggy knows Matt is daredevil. I don't know how he restrained himself from punching Matt in the face with all of his buddy, buddy, I'm here, buddy. So sorry, buddy. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, he's still trying to keep it together. And that goes to show that Matt and Foggy are complete opposites. Mm -hmm. Foggy doesn't go for violence. No. He's using his words. That is a really good point. And Charlie Cox is so good here with this overcompensating. Mm -hmm. I know we've said it before, but God, nobody gets enough credit on this show for these amazing performances. Yeah, yeah, it is incredible. You can feel the tension. You can feel the guilt just radiating off of all of them. You know, I bet Matt's cologne at this point is just called guilt. It's just water. That's... (laughs) tinged with the smell of we'll probably say incense since they often use that in catholic church yeah i would say it's not just water it's holy water Mm -hmm. you know to get rid of the guilt yeah i have to say though children could we not discuss our trial strategy loudly in the courthouse hallway i know like what are you guys doing especially when we're talking about the super corrupt district attorney (laughs) yeah good thing nobody overheard Yeah, good thing no other daredevils were around. Yeah. Luckily, Matt's the only one. Yeah, well, even normal people would have heard them. Hell, I would have heard them and I'm half dead. (laughs) So now Matt and Karen are prepping for the medical examiner's testimony. and Things seem cozy at first at Shea Murdoch, don't they? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're sharing some food, talking strategy. It's all good. And this is the first time we'll hear Matt bring up the idea of Nelson, Murdoch, and Page. Yeah, that's true. 
he suggests to her that perhaps she could think about law school. Yeah, but here's the thing. Karen doesn't like being confined by rules any more than Matt does. Mm -hmm. Only she doesn't have the outlet or the methods of subversion that Matthew does. Right. And, you know, he's a hypocrite in that way, too, because he's Mr. Justice, Mr. Legal System. But how many times does he go outside of it when it suits him? Hiding behind a mask. Yeah, he does it all the time. So I would say that Foggy is the true Mr. Justice in this case. He's the one who truly believes in the law and that it works. Meanwhile, Karen straddles both of those lines. Yeah. I don't think she's the one who believes that the law works. She's just using the law as a means to an end to get what she wants. Yeah, because now we hear some of her thoughts on uh, Frank Castle. And it's it's funny how quickly Matt has changed his tune here because suddenly, oh, Frank Castle needs to be behind bars. Yeah, but he's never said otherwise. Yeah, he did. Not that long ago, he was talking about getting Frank into a mental institution, not prison. Well, it would come to the same thing in a way that he would be confined. He wouldn't be on a killing spree. No, see, I didn't see it that way. I saw that as Matt flip-flopping because Karen is holding up that mirror now. And Frank belongs Mm -hmm. behind bars because he's a killer. Matt doesn't belong behind bars because he's not a killer. Exactly. And we've we've already had that discussion before. Yeah, Matt's doing the same thing that Frank's does, meeting out justice as he sees fit. They just have a different idea of the endgame. Yes. And here's where Karen admits what we've already seen in the connection. She kind of admires Frank. Yeah. And that is something that Matt hates. Yeah. Awkward. (laughs) And two, we have to remember, Karen Page is a woman who Wilson Fisk tried to kill a number of times. Yeah, but Matt doesn't know that. No, he doesn't know about Wesley, but the whole Union Allied thing was trying to kill Karen a couple of times, trying to frame her, then trying to kill her. So she has every reason to admire Frank Castle for taking out organized crime. Yeah, absolutely. But in the same vein, then he would expect her to admire Daredevil. Well, I think what Matt's afraid of is, well, if Karen admires Frank and Frank thinks I'm a coward, will Karen think I'm a coward? I don't know. I don't think he's going that far because in his mind, he's not a coward for sure. That's not a thing that's going through his head. It's about the morality of it. Either way, it's time to go, Karen. Time to call it a night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this. They both were being honest with each other to a certain extent. They were letting their true feelings out. And when push came to shove and they didn't, they were not compatible, they both chose to run away rather than work it out. Yes. And, you know, it's also difficult because you have the added layer of they are his legal team. They kind of need to be on the same page with this stuff. And that just throws in a whole other layer of problems. Yes. And that's why they should actually take the time to work it out and be on the same page. This is why you don't date people you work with. Especially when it's just the three of you. Yeah, big time. (laughs) And what the fuck, Matt? You knew Electra was listening the whole time? How long was she there? We don't know. How far was Matt going to let that go? Again, we don't know. 
He should have taken a moment, excused himself and gone and shoved her off or told Karen to leave. Either way, it's an invasion of privacy. It is. And it's also a big mistake giving Electra intentionally or unintentionally any information about his relationship with Karen. I don't mean romantic relationship. I wouldn't even want to give her any information, any potential vulnerabilities of his relationship with Foggy or with anyone. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt was thinking of it in another way, that he's trying to show Electra that he has another life and that he has moved on. This is his way of stroking his ego. That's a good point. Really good point. But he struck out on that one, didn't he? Yep. (laughs) Crash and burn. (laughs) And, you know, like you said before, that Matt is foggy in this relationship. He's really getting that taste of his own medicine. She's keeping him in the dark about her plan. He's also Karen because Electra is keeping him in the dark about her plan, her life, her true identity, where she came from. Mm-hmm. It's no different than what Matt does to Karen every day. Yeah, true. But he doesn't see it that way no. because he doesn't know. So the next day we get to the medical examiner and boy, does this guy look a little nervous. Yeah, he was just sweating buckets. Between him and Foggy, they're going to have to mop up that floor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and turns out this guy makes it easy for them. No questions even needed. Yeah, and Matt immediately gets, obviously, because he can hear that this guy's heart is racing and he's nervous as hell. He's still not putting two and two together or trying to mitigate the situation. Before anything can happen... This guy just blurts out the whole story. Yes. So he did, in fact, alter the autopsy reports of Frank's family and a John Doe that we don't get any information about. Right. He was threatened into doing that by two men who said they'd kill his family otherwise. Yeah. And it's understandable what he did. Yes. I feel so bad for this guy. Yeah. He's not a criminal mastermind. No, he's a public servant just trying to do his job. Mm -hmm. And he was all set to testify. Like normal, but then something happened last night, didn't it? Yeah, some woman with an accent showed up and scared the living daylights out of him. And can we just talk about for a second how useless Electra's disguise is? <laughs> well, it covers half a face, it, pretty much as Matt's gets covered half, the other half, that's It's it. worse than a cap and sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much to just pull that turtleneck down. No. And you can still see her eyes, which are the big draw, hair, her body type, everything. Well, you can see that with Daredevil as well, except for the eyes. It's more noticeable when it comes to a woman. True. But she's not trying to live a dual life. She's just doing it for the fun of it. That's true. So yeah, she paid the medical examiner a visit, threatened him so that he was way more scared of her than those two original guys, and said, you tell the truth tomorrow, blurt it out. Or God knows what's going to happen to you and everyone you care about. Mm-hmm. I did not see this coming. Yeah, me neither first time around. But I'm a little conflicted about it. On one hand, like, what was her motivation to do this? What do you think was her motivation to do this? So I think she's doing her best to insinuate herself in Matt's life and sabotage it. Because as long as he's a lawyer and trying to live a normal life, He won't be with her. 
I thought she was trying to get the case over and done with so that he can concentrate fully on what they're doing. That could be it. It's tough to know how much she knows about the legal system. We can't know if she knew what would happen as a result of this, that it would completely throw out the medical examiner's testimony in its entirety. Yeah, I don't think she thought about that. I think she just thought about scaring him to try to make him admit, and that would be the end of that. She doesn't give a shit about the legal system. No, but not caring and knowing are two different things. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, no matter the motivation, it's selfish. It is, yes. So her plan ends up backfiring royally on all of them. Oh, yeah, because this was their entire case, and now it's gone. After this incident, they're basically like those cartoon characters with the, after an explosion, the hair up, the face, you know, completely full of soot. That's who they are. Yes. And now we have another, I was just about to say we have another explosion in the bathroom, but that doesn't sound quite right. (laughs) But it's kind of true because Foggy really gets into it. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It was so cathartic. Fucking finally, Foggy. Yeah. And Matt has no choice at this point. He has to admit it was Electra. She's back. Been running around with her. And Foggy just loses it. He does. And it's deserved. Everything that he said was true. Yes, completely. We've talked about Matt as being addicted, as being like somebody who's on drugs. This is like finding out that your friend who you think has been in recovery from from drugs, from drinking. Has relapsed. Not only has relapsed, but has been like doing drugs or drinking behind your back the whole time. Right. It's a major betrayal. It is. And not only that, even from a purely selfish perspective, from Foggy's point of view, Matt's nonsense is affecting him professionally. And that's not right. If Matt can't differentiate between Daredevil and being a lawyer, He has no business being either. Exactly. You know, we talk about this in life. I know, you know, a lot of working parents talk about this, that you got to be present in whatever you're doing at the moment or else you're only giving a half measure Mm -hmm. to each thing. So if you're at work, you got to be at work. If you're at home with your kids, you got to be home with your kids. Matt, you can't have it both ways, buddy. It's about work-life balance. (laughs) Question is, which is work? That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. And finally, Foggy realizes that he can't rely on Matt for anything. Not only that, but he realizes that Matt is the biggest problem in his life. Yeah. And then we have poor Karen, who's put in the middle of all this. Oh, I was so pissed off at Matt with this. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Foggy storms off and he says, you know, ask Matt. It's totally understandable. But Matt trying to brush... Karen off, both as a professional and as a girlfriend, it is not right at all. And she's having none of it. Yeah, and she shouldn't. No, she deserves so much better as both. Yeah. Especially when she's done way more work on this case than Matt has. Yeah, totally. He's barely done anything. Yeah, she she's the one who caught him up on everything in the first place. They are so fantastic in this scene. I felt the stress of this like in my bones. Yeah, I wanted to strangle Matt. Mm-hmm. And you know what I really love about it is that they are eye to eye. And that's one of the things I mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's so good 
about Deborah Ann Wall is that she's a physical match for him. She can be up in his face because she is tall. You know, so they're always on that like physical equal footing too. She never has to be the tiny woman, you know, looking up at a guy. It just adds an extra layer of strength for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. And now, because Mr. Murdoch is incapable of taking personal responsibility for anything, uh, it's time to go blame it all on Electra. Yeah. And again, yes, she did the deed, but he led her to it. Yes, he did. By allowing her to overhear everything with Karen. Right. He is also a self-sabotager in every way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he doesn't want to believe that. He wants to think it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, and Electra is right here. This stunt she pulled is exactly the kind of thing Matt would do if the law didn't work for him. Yeah, totally. How many times have we seen him threaten people? Yeah. Now, does all of this stop him from going to fight the Yakuza with her at this warehouse? No, it does not, because at the end of it, he still is an adrenaline junkie and he wants it. But it's a bit of a letdown for them, isn't it? Because once they get there, get past some Yakuza here, what do they find in this warehouse? A big, giant fucking hole. Yeah, so now we know where all the dirt came from, at least. Yeah. I'm just wondering how the building is still standing. Yeah. They didn't shake the foundations of it. Yeah. And this hole seemingly has no bottom, because even Matt can't hear the flashlight hit bottom. Yeah. So... We don't know quite how deep it goes and what does it all mean. So that is where we will leave Daredevil this week as my dear co-host here drowns in her own snot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's pretty and mildly. I'd rather drown right now. Don't worry, everyone. We will be fine for episodes 8 through 10. We're going to put ourselves inside uh, the resurrection chamber even though we're not dead we figure we'll be that much better you know when we come back out of it (laughs) hopefully i'm not very hopeful right now we're gonna drain our blood over the weekend sit in a bucket put it all back in freshen it up we'll be fine Mm -hmm. thanks to all you madams for joining us today i'm madam chris and i'm a very miserable madam amy (laughs) join us next week for Daredevil episodes 8 through 10 of season 2. And we swear, because that schedule is starting to get pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm so, that's why I'm still snotty and still recording. In the meantime, come chat with us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. Lots of rumors going around right now, everybody. So let us know what you think. And for more content and our blog, check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. Look, I know I have a deep voice, okay? (laughs) And especially when I have a cold, yes, I know it gets a bit deeper. It gets a bit, you know. No, it doesn't sound deeper. You just sound sick. (laughs) Okay, but why is it that when I have a cold, people call me sir? Because people are stupid? I don't know. It's irritating. I don't know. Why is it like, hello, sir. Good evening, sir. Can can I speak to you about, you know, donating, sir? First of all, if you're misgendering me, you're not getting any money out of me. 
I mean, they're likely not getting money out of you anyway. So what difference does it make? No, I mean, I donate money. I'm not saying I'm, I'm you know, Scrooge McDuck or something, but <laughs> don't misgender me. 